Thank you all for joining us today. I'm pleased to be joined by the Minister of Energy and Minerals, Brian Jean, Minister of Environment and Protected Areas, Rebecca Schultz, Mark Plamondon, who is Executive Director of Alberta's Industrial Heartland, and Joy Romero, who is Vice President of Technology and Innovation at CNRL. We've got a lot of exciting ground to cover today, but before we begin on our two announcements, I'd like to just say that I'm looking forward to leading Alberta's delegation at COP28 in Dubai. We have a great uh, opportunity to share Alberta's story with the world, and we will be doing so with pride and with conviction. We will be joined by over 100 Alberta delegates helping to promote that Alberta is ready and willing to be a world leader in innovation and emissions reduction. As you may know, Alberta is a globally recognized leader in carbon capture utilization and storage in both development and regulation. We have and will continue to invest billions into carbon capture projects and programs, as well as regulatory enhancements and knowledge sharing. And Alberta is busy proving that CCUS works at scale with the potential to become a powerful tool for building carbon-neutral economies. This technology is important because we're working to phase out emissions. We are not phasing out energy production. In fact, all reasonable forecasts show that Alberta is set to remain a leader in energy production and carbon capture utilization and storage for decades. Our oil and gas sector is primed for success in the industries of the future. And our government understands the importance of innovation, of research, and of Alberta's entrepreneurial spirit. We're doing the work to show the world that CCUS is an important part of the solution. That's why I'm proud to announce the Alberta Carbon Capture Incentive Program, or ACIP. This new program will further support Alberta's position as a world leader in CCUS technology while also helping major industries in the province cut emissions and grow the economy. It's been modeled after our highly successful Alberta Petrochemical Incentive Program and will provide a grant of 12% for new eligible capital costs in order to help industries reduce their emissions by incorporating CCUS into their operations. We estimate that over the next decade, these incentives will support as much as $35 billion in new investment and create thousands of good-paying jobs and other economic benefits across the province. Alberta's ACIP credit, uh, tax credit will build on the federal government's carbon capture, utilization, and storage investment tax credit. And I think it's important to note that a portion of the funding for ACIP will be accessed from the Technology, Innovation, and Emissions Reduction Fund, which is the TIER fund, which is fully funded by industry payments for greenhouse gas emissions. The simple fact is this. CCUS works. And advancing this technology is critical to the future of our energy industry and to the new industries that we are attracting to Alberta. By continuing to invest in CCUS technology and adoption now, we are ensuring that Alberta continues to lead the world in the critical work of reducing emissions. We are committed to doing our part to create practical solutions to the global emissions problem, but we also want to ensure the world understands that the words Alberta and energy will continue to be linked for generations. Our success shows that we can have a thriving energy sector, cut emissions, and hit our targets, which leads me to our second announcement. We have been a leader in methane emissions monitoring and reduction for years now, and I'm proud to say that Alberta has achieved our methane emission reduction target years ahead of schedule. And how have we been able to do this? Because we are working with industry to adopt policies and regulations that work and deliver results. And Minister Schultz will have more to say about that shortly. There is a global energy transition underway, and Alberta is going to lead it. That is the message that I will be taking to Dubai. We have a plan to move our province forward, and it shows how we're putting the pieces in place to make sure that there is a real difference in emissions reduction and energy security. And now I'm quite pleased to invite Mr. Brian Jean forward to give you more details about ACIP. Mr. Jean. 
Thank you, Premier, and uh, thank you for your leadership on this file and so many other files. It's my pleasure to be here today to talk about this very exciting announcement for, for Albertans to help accelerate CCUS development. I also want to acknowledge some guests that have joined with us this afternoon. First of all, Mark Plamondon with Alberta's Industrial Heartland, who you will hear from in a few moments, and Joe Erg Nixdorf, who is the VP for Heidelberg for Cement Operations, and who also joins us today, and thank you for being here. ASIP will have a tremendous impact on Alberta and the oil sands region where I come from. As you may know, Alberta's oil sands are one of the largest proven crude oil reserves in the world with untapped potential. Revenue from the oil sands has helped build our province and has seriously contributed to the many services that Albertans have come to rely on. In fact, Canada's oil sands industry contributes nearly $60 billion to the country's GDP. That equates to 3% of Canada's total GDP. And according to the Pathways Alliance, a healthy, sustainable oil sands industry could contribute an estimated $3 trillion to the Canadian economy over the next 30 years. But this program is more than supporting oil and gas. It's about setting the foundation for Alberta's future. With forecasts predicting that global energy demand will continue to increase by 2050, Alberta is very well positioned to provide the responsibly produced energy the world needs, and CCUS will play a key component of that. The Alberta Carbon Capture Incentive Program is intended to help hard-to-abate industries reduce their emissions by incorporating CCUS into their operations. CCUS is currently the only viable option available for these industries to significantly reduce their emissions. Not only will this technology help preserve our position as a major bitumen producer, but our whole economy will depend on CCUS for large volumes of emissions reduction. CCUS will benefit a variety of sectors, including oil and gas, power generation, hydrogen, petrochemicals, and, of course, cement. With the geology and the know-how and the regulatory advantages that Alberta has, we are recognized as a leader in CCUS throughout the world. The ACIP program will build on Alberta's strong foundation of developing CCUS and complement other initiatives that we are bringing forward. We acquired essential know-how leveraging our expertise in oil and gas while investing billions of dollars, including money from the Technology Innovation and Emissions Reduction Fund into CCUS projects and programs, and we've already achieved significant results. Since 2015, Quest and Alberta Carbon Trunk Lines have been world-leading projects successfully capturing and storing more than 11.5 million tons of CO2. That is equivalent emissions from 2.5 million cars per year. In addition... Emissions Reduction Alberta and Alberta Innovates have invested in numerous CCUS projects supporting the commercialization of innovative technologies that are ready for adoptions right now. To help meet growing demand, we are enabling the development of carbon storage hubs that are already exploring and evaluating projects for safe and permanent sequestration right across the province. These hubs mean we are moving as rapidly and safely as anywhere in the world is moving. They will see operators collect, transport, and permanently store captured carbon dioxide from industrial emissions right across the province, including those who will receive funding from the ASIP program. We've engaged with industry partners to understand what other carbon sequestration scenarios are possible, and we are right now accepting applications from small-scale and remote carbon storage proponents. We're making sure carbon dioxide storage options are available and accessible to all Alberta industries and that CCUS is deployed responsibly and strategically in the best interest of the Albertans we serve. One of the key tasks as Alberta's Minister of Energy and Minerals is to work with both industry and other ministries to develop a pathway to help Alberta's energy sector achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. 
Alberta's government recognizes that to stay relevant in the energy sector and to attract capital investment in emergency industries, we must decarbonize our final products to sustain and grow production and market share. Taking action right now to support the development of CCUS is important to help ensure that Alberta and Canada reaches their emission reduction targets while encouraging economic growth and prosperity for decades to come. As the Premier says, we are phasing out emissions and not phasing out our energy sector. I'd like to welcome Mark Plamondon, Executive Director for Alberta's Industrial Heartland, to bring further remarks. Thanks, Mark. Good afternoon, everybody. I am extremely pleased and honoured to be here today. I would like to express my appreciation and gratitude to Premier Smith, Minister Jean, Minister Schultz, and the Government of Alberta for their leadership on this very important incentive program. Carbon Capture Utilization and Storage, or CCUS, is an integral, integral part of large-scale value-add energy projects as the world is looking for low-cost, low-carbon products. Now, our association, Alberta's Industrial Heartland Association, we travel the world marketing Alberta and the industrial heartland. We work with companies as they look to advance their next capital project. And you can't have a conversation today on a major value-add energy project without talking about competitiveness and carbon management. And this incentive program touches both of those. It puts Alberta, continues to put Alberta in a position where companies can meet both their economic and their environmental objectives. And incentives like this, which leads to additional significant capital investment in our region, that leads to high-paying, long-term, stable jobs that lead to resilient communities that benefit our region and benefit the province. So we believe that Alberta's industrial heartland and Alberta is a jurisdiction globally that can meet the needs of companies to meet their objectives. And this program is a testament to the collaborative efforts between the government of Alberta and its stakeholders to achieve a common vision. So we are very excited to see the benefits that result from this program. And once again, I want to express my appreciation for this incentive program by the government of Alberta. Thank you. Right, such an exciting day, and uh, good afternoon, everybody. Funded in part through TIER, Alberta's new ACIP program demonstrates that we are serious about reducing emissions and also meeting global energy demand for generations to come. Industry is working to reduce emissions, and one way to do that, of course, is through CCUS and other technologies. We are already leaders in this area, and that is why carbon capture and storage is a key part of our emissions reduction and energy development plan. As Minister Jean said, using CCUS, we can proudly say we've already safely sequestered and effectively stored over 11.5 million tons of CO2. But CCUS isn't the only area where Alberta is leading the way. I'm so pleased to announce today that Alberta has officially hit its methane emissions reduction target years ahead of schedule. As some of you may know, Alberta has long been a global leader when it comes to measuring and reducing methane emissions. We were the first oil and gas producing jurisdiction to put requirements on emissions from flaring. That started in the early 1990s. And we were the first province in Canada to set a methane emissions target for the oil and gas sector. Our approach is now an international best practice. Over the years, we've received national and international awards for this work. Now, 
New data released today shows that we've successfully reduced methane emissions from the oil and gas sector by 45% since 2014. While the federal government has never actually hit an emissions target they've set, Alberta has done it, and we've done it ahead of schedule. Over the last few years, Alberta's Baseline Reduction Opportunities Program has reviewed almost 15,000 well sites and facilities across our province. Innovative programs like this have helped review sites, reduce methane emissions where possible. This includes improved leak detection and repair programs and, of course, upgrading equipment. When issues were identified, our methane technology implementation program has taken action, generating over 16.6 million tons of CO2 emissions reductions. I also want to thank Joy Romero, Executive Advisor at CNRL, who is uh, standing here with us today, representing one of Canada's largest energy companies on the ground doing this necessary work. CNRL is an example of industry launching programs that reduced emissions through creativity, technology, and innovation. For instance, using enhanced sensors and converting over a thousand pneumatic injection pumps to solar configurations. This is a perfect example of the entrepreneurial and innovative spirit Albertans and our industries are known for. This milestone was accomplished through collaboration with industry and a province-led approach that is not only more effective, it's also cheaper than what Ottawa would have put in place. The Alberta approach saved industry upwards of $600 million compared to the proposed federal mandates. Now, we did it our way, and it worked. We will continue to build on that momentum. Having reached this target, we'll be working with industry and experts on what's to come next. From methane to electricity to carbon capture and storage, we are leading the way by working with industry. That is what our emissions reduction and energy development plan is all about. It is about reducing emissions and growing our economy, driving innovation without capping production, capturing CO2 while keeping furnaces running, energy affordable, and our economy strong. We are world leaders, and we will continue to lead the way for decades to come. Thank you so much, and we're happy to take any questions that you might have. Thank you. We'll now take some questions. Can I see a show of hands for those with questions in the room? Premier. And sorry, again, we're going to start off with Darcy here in the back. No, I appreciate that. Um, Premier, I'm looking at these two announcements that are linked, I guess, the CCS announcement and also your trip to, to COP28. Of course, CCS is going to be really important for your blue hydrogen plants. Yeah. Um, so this COP28, frequently we focused a lot on fossil fuels and reducing emissions. Mm-hmm. Is this a marketing um, trip for you, though, to go there? And the world's looking at reducing fossil fuels for you to go there and try and sell um, investing in Alberta's fossil fuels uh, when it comes to things like blue hydrogen. Well, I can tell you that we made the decision as a government last year to go and participate in COP27. And I was really encouraged by the report that I got back from our environment minister about when she told the Alberta story, how people were listening and they were excited about it. And so it occurred to me that on these major opportunities for international um, profile, we've got to we've got to be there to tell our own story. So this is why we are going. I'm not only am I going this year, but so is uh, our our new environment and protected areas minister Rebecca Schultz. There's there's lots that we're going to be talking about. I'll be on a panel, for instance, talking not only about carbon capture utilization and storage, carbon markets, but also about our Alberta Indigenous Opportunities Corporation, which we are very, very proud of, and we've also increased the amount that we're supporting there. 
um, and uh, and creating a, an opportunity to, to speak with some of the investment funds. The, there are many sovereign wealth funds in the region that are looking for ways to invest not only in green tech, but in agriculture technology, um, as well as uh, finding other opportunities to invest in, in our province. And so I'll be, I'll be looking to have both tell the Alberta story and also see if we can get some investment in Alberta. Um, you're going to go there, so is that Stephen Globo, federal minister, you don't always see eye to eye. How's that going to work? You're going to be working against each other? Like, how is that going to work? You're going to go there um, when you have a, maybe a different approach to dealing with the problem than he does. It depends very much on on Mr. Gibault because we have been very firm in saying that we oppose any kind of arbitrary emissions cap whether it's on uh, oil and gas emissions or whether it's on methane, that we are aligned and are trying to get alignment around a 2050 emissions reduction target. And I was happy to see that they're finally putting some of the architecture around the carbon capture utilization and storage um, proposal, their investment tax credit. That's why we're dovetailing with that. So that's one thing that we can work on together. I'm hoping that Minister Guibault sends out a congratulatory press release today about our energy industry's success in reducing emissions and meeting our target early. And uh, I'm hoping that we can find other areas to collaborate on. I, I have to tell you, I mean, the, the federal government has been a good collaborator on a lot of these projects, whether it's been with air products, whether it's with uh, Dow Chemical. We'll have, of course, more to say about that tomorrow. Um, and those are the kind of things that I think we can partner on. I think we've got good opportunity to collaborate on hydrogen, good opportunity to collaborate on small modular nuclear. So I, I hope at this conference we can focus on the areas we agree rather than the areas we disagree. Again, it's up to them um, because I've been disappointed, as you know, that even though we've told them that uh, net zero power grid is not possible by 2035, that they've continued to persist in, in pursuing that. They've also indicated that they intend to bring through an emissions cap. They in, intend to bring through a methane cap. And I, I just hope that, that they understand that in cooperative federalism, we have to do these things together. I think the Supreme Court has admonished them twice. I hope that they take the lesson of that. And we'll see what their announcements are over there. But I, I think there's a lot that we can celebrate together. Thanks, Graham. Yeah, Percy. Uh, Premier Smith, I wanted to get your response to Mr. Debo in the House of Commons this morning. He called the sovereignty legislation symbolic. He says you don't take symbolic legislation to court. Just uh, your response to that. Uh, well, he, he will learn that if he does uh, not back down from his outrageous and unconstitutional targets of 2035, it'll be more than symbolic. We'll proceed with developing our baseload power on natural gas with the best available technology. And we will make sure that, uh, that uh, we are uh, able to, to uh, shield any corporation from, uh, from any kind of, uh, of criminal liability, whether that means that we have to de-risk it by being the generator of last resort, or we have to purchase some of those plants so that we operate them ourselves so that we're able to continue on with having a, 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 um, a, a reliable power grid. So uh, there's, this is just the indication that we're moving on this. We're not going to sit and wait while they break the law drag their feet, make us take them to court, spend years creating economic uncertainty for our investors. We're going to start commissioning those plans now because we need them now. Uh, my second question was asked. So okay, perfect. And Catherine? Yeah, um, I didn't hear anything in the announcement about carbon uh, contracts for difference, and I'm wondering why that's not. Can you talk about that? Please. Thank you so much. Uh, 
Thank you very much for the question. We're, we're cautiously optimistic about the federal government coming to the table on the ITCs and the contract for differences or some similar piece of legislation. And I, if the federal government comes to the table, this is the largest single investment that the federal government has ever made in Alberta. So we're very excited about it. And we're cautiously optimistic that they'll come forward and, and support us because they know that this is the best thing to do for Albertans. And, and second question on the methane reduction. There was just a, a study published that Alberta's energy has underestimated methane emissions by as much as 50%. Why are you uh, confident that um, your numbers are right and this study is wrong? You know, I would first of all say that that study, a number of the authors are linked with groups that are fundamentally opposed to our oil and gas industry and want to see it shut down. So I would say we, we should maybe take that with a grain of salt. When we look at uh, what it takes to measure, we use a top-down and bottom-up approach. We've been a leader in uh, monitoring and measuring methane emissions reduction. We set a target. We've, we've been a leader for a very long time, and now we have hit that target ahead of schedule. So our, our emissions reduction on methane... 45% since 2014. That is a huge win. Uh, We know there's more to do. Industry uh, is optimistic that we can do that. But again, uh, we've taken a a very practical approach by working with industry uh, and making sure that we're looking at this uh, from a couple of perspectives. Uh, Regulatory, of course, but also incentives for industry uh, to reduce emissions even further. So I'm confident in our numbers. Uh, The authors of that report also didn't reach out to the government of Alberta or our department in any way, uh, so I'm somewhat skeptical uh, of what they've put forward. Okay, so I hand up on the back. We'll take one more and then go to the phones. If you don't mind stating your name and outlet as well. Lisa, I'm Gregory with Global Edmonton. I'm a question to the Premier. Um, you mentioned yesterday around the uh, Sovereignty Act potentially creating a Crown Corporation. Mm-hmm. Could you elaborate on that and what that could potentially look like? Again, it was a potential because we, we want to be, as I've been describing it, the generator of last resort, not first resort. We, we think that our private sector has served us very well, especially on the billions of dollars of investment that has come into the province. Unfortunately, because of, uh, I think in large part because of federal uncertainty, we're now seeing a lack of interest in investing in that base load power. And so we have made it very clear to the sector that we want to build more base load power, natural gas with the best available technology for carbon capture, which right now is about 60% abatement. And we'll see if any come forward wanting to build that, because that's what we'd like. We'd like for it to continue to be private sector led. If no one does, we are going to need to double our baseload power between now and 2050. And so we're going to have to get that baseload built one way or another. And if that means that we have a long-term contract, if it means that we have to establish a crown corporation so that we commission the generation ourselves, or if we find some other mechanism that private industry supports, then that's what we'll do. So we wanted to let people know our intention, that we we have to build baseload power. We we are going to proceed regardless of what the federal government decides to do because this is our area of jurisdiction. We need reliability. We need affordability. And we want to get started on de-risking some of that investment. That's one part. The other part is that we know that there's uh, increasing enthusiasm to look at small modular nuclear, but we don't have a mechanism to do that in Alberta. We've never gone through a successful approval process for that brand new type of technology. So that's one other area where if we start seeing other provinces making great strides on that, I believe Ontario is about to roll out a small modular reactor in 2028. I think New Brunswick is close to around the same time period. Uh, Then we can work with both Ontario, New Brunswick, and all three, and uh, Saskatchewan on trying to mirror some of the approach that they take. Keep in mind, all other provinces have a Crown Corporation that does this work. We're the only one that has a private sector market. And if the private sector 
because of uncertainty, is not able to deliver on the baseload that we need, we're going to do what we can to de-risk that so that we can get it built. My second question is about AER. The Fed's expressed concerns around how the regulator, regulator operates specifically on communication. Would you say you echo those concerns? Uh, obviously, it's highly related to the Raelian's pond spill. I can tell you, we've, I'll, I'll let uh, Minister Jean talk about this or Minister Schulter both, because part of the structure that we have when I came in, I wanted to ensure that we had both the Deputy Minister of Energy and the Deputy Minister of Environment that were on the board so that we could make sure that we had that proper direct oversight and line of sight. Uh, in addition to that, we're in the process of an internal review of processes to see if we can do some improvements. So I, I've been told that that report will be ready by the end of the year. And so um, I don't want to prejudge the outcome on it, but we, we do know that, uh, that there are issues with the Alberta Energy Regulator. We want to be fair in how we assess them and also look at recommendations. But it is an independent regulator. We have to make sure because they have quasi-judicial uh, powers that we're not interfering in that independence. I'm a bit dismayed that the federal government keeps on calling our independent regulator to Ottawa because, again, um, we, they should be very mindful about interfering with that independent process. But let me turn it over to, to Minister Jean to comment more. I think, Premier, you said uh, everything right on the money. The AER is dependent, and we have to make sure that they remain independent so they protect Albertans. I would say that I've had some tough conversations with some of the um, some of the oil sands operators in relation to a number of things. Uh, I did have an opportunity to inspect uh, Curl Lake in particular and, and had more conversations with them. And, and I think going forward, we need to have better communication, and there's no question that I've addressed that with AER. And um, I expect them to, uh, as the government does, expect them to be honest with Albertans and make sure they do so immediately, not sometime months later. Thank you, Lisa. And we're just going to go to the phones now, just because of a limited time. Operator, could you put through our first question, please? Carrie Tate, Globe and Mail. Hi, thanks for taking my question. On the carbon capture today, can you give us an idea of the scope of this announcement? How many projects would be funded? How much it will cost the province? How much? How many emissions will be captured? Well, I can tell you that we're anticipating it to be a, uh, up, up to about $35 billion worth of potential projects. And that may be an estimate based on what we saw with our Alberta Petrochemical Incentive Program, which has $38 billion worth of projects that have applied. Not all of them have made a final investment decision on that, but that is probably a good indicator. We know, for instance, that the Pathways Project, I believe, is already a $16 billion project, and there would be um, others that, that would be uh, of a similar, maybe not quite that large, but uh, um, also um, contemplating making a final investment decision with us making this announcement. The uh, cost to government, if it is that high, would be in the order of, I think we're estimating 3.5 to 5.3 billion. And as I mentioned, the uh, tier program, that's already a program that um, prices the cost of emissions, it goes into a separate fund. We've been using that for Emissions Reduction Alberta to support individual projects, but we'll be using that to fund a portion of this cost as well. And I think that keeps our commitment to the industry, that as they're paying into a fund to reduce emissions, those dollars are coming back to be able to support emissions reduction. Did either of you want to comment on that? Okay. And a follow-up, Carrie? Yes, thank you. Um, on the Sovereignty Act and the clean electricity regulations, uh, the federal government today indicated that they would not take Alberta's court over the Sovereignty Act. One of the ways that you described the Sovereignty Act was to put the reverse onus on the federal government to take Alberta to court rather than Alberta always having to be the one to 
take the feds to court. I'm wondering what that the federal government's decision to not take Alberta to court, how that uh, plays into the strategy. Well, I'm I'm hoping that uh, we're able to. Uh, a commission, a thousand megawatt natural gas plant with best available technology for emissions abatement and that they're not going to interfere with us because we, we know that we'll need at least 12,000 megawatts of, of uh, new power construction between now and 2050. So it will be when we have the, the uh, actual projects that are being uh, commissioned and put into place and in construction that we'll see if the federal government is willing to work with us on what we've been asking for all along. Let's work together on best available practice, best available technology, um, and aspire to be carbon neutral by 2050. And if we can get there earlier, we'll get there earlier. I mean, some of our uh, electricity generators have said they can get there by 2045, but all of them have said that 2035 is not uh, is not possible. Those who are in the th- those major producers. And so I think that um, if if that means that the federal government is willing to do what we've asked them all along which is to work with us on a 2050 target, then I'm encouraged by that. Thank you, Carrie. Operator, could you put through our next caller, please? Sean Polzer, Western Standard. Oh, hello. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, at the EPAC meeting uh, last week, uh, Premier Smith indicated that um, she expected the federal government to do most of the heavy lifting in terms of uh, the incentives and supports for carbon capture. So I'm just wondering specifically, what would you be looking for in any legislation that they would propose, and why has it taken them this long? I mean, I can get Minister Jean to comment on that, but I, I think with the economic update, they 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 put some a little bit more structure around what they've been promising for uh, for some time for a couple of years. That when they release the details around their their carbon capture, utilization, and storage investment tax credit, it will be retroactive. To January 1st of 2022, and it will be at a level that I, I believe that they promised, which is 50% on certain types of projects, and I think 36% on another type of project. And then they also have the contracts for differences. So um, those those are the things that we've been looking for. Um, I think that w- what we've been what we've heard industry has been frustrated by is that they didn't have enough specifics. And I, I believe that uh, Minister Freeland said that she would deliver those those specifics before the end of the year. So from from our perspective, I don't think we're asking for too much more. But I better turn it over to Brian. And Gene, just in case or he's hearing anything else from industry about something that might be missing. Thank you, Premier. And I think probably Minister Gibo is not taking us to court because he's tired of losing. But um, I would just say to you this, that the beautiful part about this is the Alberta taxpayers aren't, are not on the hook unless the federal government actually comes to the table and industry comes to the table. And if, uh, if truly the, the federal government keeps the promises that they've made and they've sent those signals to industry over a period of the last three years, then uh, we are going to be in a great situation to have a lot of projects come to Alberta and give us a competitive advantage on many, many industries. Um, And I think the Premier is exactly right on the numbers, uh, but we'll anticipate to see what happens. But it's up to the federal government now. We've removed the barrier. Uh, Industry knows what the Alberta government's doing and coming to the table in a big way. And now we just have to make sure that the federal government comes to the table and fulfills the promises they've been making and the signals they've been sending to industry for some three years now. Thanks, Minister. And Sean, did you have a follow-up? Yes. Um, Last week, uh, the UN and the uh, EIA put out uh, a report apparently ahead of the COP28 summit uh, where they talked about uh, carbon capture and suggested that um, it would only abate about up to 5% of global emissions and that it shouldn't be used as a substitute for increasing oil production. 
So what I'm wondering is how much of an emissions reduction gain are we going to get uh, from these measures and uh, whether or not, I guess, in the long run, if it's greenwashing or virtue signaling or any of those kinds of things? We are in such a unique position in Alberta because we have immense storage capacity. We already have uh, development of projects that are operating at scale. We've already safely stored um, 11 megatons of emissions, and we are on the cusp of seeing a, a great deal more of that. It may well be that other jurisdictions don't enjoy the geology that we have, and so they're not going to be able to use it to the extent that we are. But uh, I can tell you that we have a, a natural advantage, and if if they are right, and I have expressed my skepticism about the IEA's methodologies on doing their calculations, I tend to like to to look at uh, the estimations from places like S&P Global, which I think have increasingly more credibility. But if they are right, then Alberta is going to be able to to, uh, to represent the lion's share, I think, of uh, of the the carbon uh, capture opportunity. I'll, I'll turn it over to Brian because he's got some, some good observations about what other jurisdictions have to go through in trying to do what we are going to be able to do so much more easily. Thank you, Premier. Uh, I would just say that we have a specific geology and the legal uh, the legal uh, torrent system of land in place that allows us to be truly the global leader on this. Uh, 5%, well, come to Alberta. We're open for business. We can store your GHGs. We can store your CO2. Uh, Korea is looking at doing it offshore. Ontario is looking at doing it in one of the Great Lakes. Other jurisdictions are looking at opportunities. Well, the opportunity is right here. We have the capacity to store 100% of the global emissions from the world right now, humankind. That's what the experts have told me. We have a geology that is second to none in the world and one of the top three in the world. And given our uh, legal process here, it gives us a competitive advantage even over the United States. So I would just say we are open for business. We can store their uh, CO2 right here in Alberta for many, many years to come, if not forever. Thank you. Thank you, Minister. We have time for just one last question. Operator, could you put through our last caller, please? Alex McQuaig, Western Producer. Thanks for taking my call. I'm hoping you can talk a little bit about the drought conditions mm. uh, currently being faced by um, Albertans. Uh, we're in the fourth month of the four-stage drought. Conditions aren't improving. Um, I understand that uh, both the, the Ministry of um, Environment and the Alberta Energy Regulator are involved in the drought management plan. Can you talk a little bit about what that plan is going to entail if conditions continue to get worse? Yeah, I think you saw that we worked with the, the federal government to come through with a, a special program to be able to do drought relief, and it's obviously not the the uh, um, the optimal solution. We, we want to make sure that our, our farmers and ranchers have the water that they need. I'll turn it over to Minister Schultz so she can talk a bit about where, where we find ourselves with the reservoirs. So that's a great question, and you're exactly right. We have been in the stage four uh, situation. Obviously, we know it's been uh, a very dry year, but we're also anticipating El Nino around the world uh, for next year. So if, if we do not get significant amounts of snow uh, and precipitation, uh, we are, are certainly predicting that it's going to be another dry year next year. So we are working with municipalities, with our major water license users, with irrigators, uh, and setting up a 
bit of a working group to address the very urgent needs as we head into next spring and uh, the growing season, of course. We, we need to make sure that we have a plan in place to address these water shortages and that all of the water users, so not just uh, the irrigators, but irrigators, egg producers, uh, and municipalities have the water that they need. Uh, but then separate from that, we're also looking at uh, a longer-term water use plan. So same folks in those discussions, but looking at the, the water infrastructure we have, like storage, uh, what are our major priorities, what other opportunities might we have, and how we can uh, better uh, manage water resources in the longer term. So that work is underway. Uh, we've been very transparent about this as well. You might have noticed last week we, we were releasing photos uh, of some of the reservoirs in southern Alberta. What we didn't want is people to come back after the holidays and say, wait, you know, we, we didn't realize we were in such a serious uh, situation. So um, we are trying to be proactive about this. Uh, more to come. And all of those major water users, uh, they are aware of this work. Um, and uh, we're working on that through the month of, of December as well to expedite uh, what those plans are going to look like. And did you have a follow-up there, Alex? Yeah, when will that short-term plan be released? Uh, as you noted, the, the mountain snowpack is yeah. going to be uh, playing an important role, but that continues. There's nothing positive, really, with that mountain snowpack currently. So wh when will that short-term management plan be released? Publicly. Yeah, I would I would expect early in the new year. Uh, we're just going to get this working group uh, set up right now in the next couple of weeks. We're looking at doing some teletown halls so that all of those major water users are aware of the situation that we find ourselves in, have the ability to provide us with their concerns or feedback. Uh, and I would imagine we'd need uh, just some time to, to pull that together and come up with a plan. So I would say early in the new year, um, early in the spring. And that's all the time we have for questions today. Thank you very much, everybody.